You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host, Jason Goldenberg. And today I'm super excited to speak with Aditya on what comes after the rating in the analyst relations world. Aditya works as a strategic company guide to inject strategic advice into companies' top initiatives, at times acting as an external voice. His challenges include everything from creating, keeping, and protecting mindshare, once generated by nurturing thoughts, research, and thought leadership with top-tier influencers. Aditya cherishes teaching and has been actively engaged in mentoring the next gen, as well as teaching full-time and executive MBA students at some of the best colleges in India. Aditya, I'm extremely excited to welcome you to the show and speak with you. Thanks, Jason. Great. To go ahead and kick things off, let's just start with what are you up to these days? So I'm in the business of perception building and perception challenges. My measurement happens on how specific a given claim is from an employment perspective, my employer side, how the evidences gets developed and deployed and tested, and finally, how the buyer's objections are handled. I'm constantly pursuing a path to be more useful to my employer's growth. I know establish my employer as a leader across its expansion plans in leading assessments. So as a result, I'm constantly investing in myself and refining how the different analyst community is trusted across buyers and as well as the, as the vendor side, how they're exploring their trends, what are the compelling innovations analysts are interested in, how do they evaluate a buyer's requirement and variety of things like, like vendor comparisons, vendor claim management, and some of the best practices across. Understood. And something you and I have spoken about, but you know, the mm-hmm. analyst role is so much more than just ratings. So everybody being mm-hmm. familiar with Gartner Quadrants and Forrester Waves and what happens after and beyond the rating? Right. So right beyond the the obsession and the excitement of being rated by a Gartner or Forrester or an IDC, there are many, many things which are in the pipeline or behind the curtain. So first thing we need to understand that a major rating like a Gartner Match Quadrant or a Forrester Wave, they are milestones. There are many more milestones before and after that. For example, if you look at a Gartner or a Forrester or an IDC, there are many more prudent research zones, much more prudent and very, very pointed research areas. For example, a Gartner Hype Cycle and IDC futures key for a forestry tech type. And it is important for both buyers and vendors to be cognizant of these things. Second, if you look at a Gartner Magic Quadrant and Gartner publishes some 100 plus Magic Quadrants every year, every year, each of these MQs are complemented by a lesser known but way more useful comparison tools like a critical capability document. So what matters is once a rating goes live, how are you deploying it? How are you promoting it? And what's its impact on handling buyer's objections? How does it help the vendors in minimizing or shortening the sales cycle? And finally, an important element is how does it justify the investment rationales? If you look at the prominent vendors, 10Ks and 10Qs filing, you will see how they are promoting themselves as a leader in different assessments. And correspondingly, there is a correlation between such ratings, self-promotions, and a larger P multiple in case the company is listed. Understood. And within your role, what are some of the challenges that you face? 
One word, perceptions. For example, like switching gears, how my employer has been perceived coming from the house of a services major to be perceived as a product leader. Then, how the challenges of perception happens in terms of the analyst reservation about not even being considered as a product to becoming a leader in one of the most perceived assessments in automation. Three, the internal stakeholders also needs a lot of educational selling of who the analysts are, what's a grip on the given topic, as well as the analyst's influence on the buyer's decision-making fabric. So those three are the most prominent ones from my side. Understood. And what would you say that you spend the majority of your time? Is it on the demand gen efforts, the sales enablement efforts, on the actual mm-hmm. achievement of ratings to help us understand? Sure. So as I mentioned, there are milestones before and after a magic quadrant happens or a wave happens. So I spent a considerable amount of my time in reading and understanding. Who are the beneficiaries internally? Externally, what excites and engages the analyst community the most? And how can I organize, simplify and enhance analyst ability to remember me and my employer? Further, I also engage with the field and marketing analysts, the field and marketing team internally, the product strategists, the product management people internally, as well as the overall leadership to make them knowledge and understand what's happening in the market side. And do you have any tips and tricks for other analyst relations executives out there? I've been learning myself, but yeah, there are two or three things that work for myself. For example, A, start small, start very focused when engaging the stakeholders and prepare very, very well because the initial few interactions will make both the analyst community as well as the internal stakeholders cognizance of each other's depth over a given topic. B, go beyond the core analyst to understand how that typical analyst form works. Second, organize and prepare the thought chain, how these analyst forms are driving the major assessments internally how they get triggered by a vendor's opinion and how they want to correct it or have an influence over it. It's considered simple, whatever I'm saying, it's not easy to do it consistently over a period. And then how about content, analyst content, whether it be content creation or the sharing of content and how content is used? Any tips and tricks there? Sure. So number one thing. Think beyond the magic quadrants, waves, and marketscapes and understand what can be deployed to change the stakeholders, analysts, and buyers' behavior towards my industry and my company. It could be a quote, it could be a related research, or it could be even a custom-built project for hypothesis testing. And there are a lot of tools around like a forest of thought leadership paper, an IDC spotlight, and things like that to build these custom research papers for building content. Sometimes... This happens in a couple of industries. By companies, the industry, if you look at the UI parts of the world, they are probably what automation talks about in the broader trend. Second, adapt. If you look at my favorite example, Zscaler, it's a standalone magic quadrant leader in Gartner. And unbelievable performance, very, very difficult to replicate. And I doubt even if any other vendor can do it so quickly. It has displaced Cisco, McAfee, and Symantec, you know, aligning very, very closely to the vision of the analysts unbelievable task if you really look at it but one of the best known work of what an AI leader can do and what a company can can engage an analyst with understood and are there any books blogs newsletters websites or videos that you would recommend to our listeners so as i mentioned i learned a lot i read a lot from a16z and their podcasts the open view partners posts and of course my favorite analyst from forrester gartner and idc then there are some classical books like Selling the Invisible, Crossing the Chasm, and one of the favorite from an Indian author called One Land, One Billion Minds. It triggers lots of ideas around 
how different people change the perceptions across technology, its application in B2B scenarios and things. Very cool. And how about three people in B2B tech or who have led go-to-market teams or data science teams that you'd recommend we bring on the show? Uh, number one preference, Dave Kellogg. Absolutely a brilliant gentleman. Number two, April Dunford, a positioning guru. Number three, you know and I know very well, is Geoffrey Moore, Crossing the Chasm Mother. Very nice. Thank you for that. And how can people get connected with you after this recording? So I'm very responsive and approachable on LinkedIn. And I can also be reached on my mail ID. It's Aditya, my name, m.fms at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thank you for being on the show. Same here. Absolutely a pleasure, Jason. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.